Welcome to this week's class on Chassidus. We're going to be learning this week a beautiful Chassidic discourse. The name of the Chassidic discourse is called the Eile HaMishpatim. The Rebbe said this Chassidic discourse of Metzoyi Shabbos, of Shabbos Parashash Mishpatim, which was the Shabbos that you blessed, the month of Adar, the first Adar. The Rebbe said this in his room in the year Tavshin Lamed Ches, 44 years ago. And a week later, in honor of the seventh day of Adar Rishon, the Rebbe went ahead and certified edited this, this Chassidic Discourse. So again, the Chassidic Discourse is based on the opening verse in this week's Torah portion where it says, Ve'ele ha-mishpatim, these are the, rule, the rules, the laws, asher tosim lefneim, that you should pray, place in front of them. So the Rebbe brings from the Alter Rebbe in his classical uh, uh, book of Hasidic discourses, which is called Torah Er, and he asks a question because it says the Elam Mishpatim. These are the laws you should put in front of them. Lefneim is plural, in front of them, plural amount of people. But afterwards, in the verse where it speaks about the law of of high, of uh, high acquiring a a servant, so it says Ki Sikne when used singular. If we're speaking plural, he's talking to everyone, it's just Kayiknu that when you would rule, you would all acquire. Also, another question asks that why is the begin why is the first law of Elam Ashbatam? We're going to learn now all the laws. What's the first law about acquiring a slave? So why is that the first law? <clears throat> and the the Rebbe brings in the Medrash, the Rebbe, the, the Medrash says that Hashem says to the Jewish people that I've acquired you. As slaves, when I took you out of the land of Egypt, and that's why the Medrashah begins with Evadivri. So that's in the Medrashah. But we want to know practically and spiritually why does the Torah begin with the laws of Evadivri? And there are other uh, many uh, 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 questions on, on on this verse, like and the Rebbe says that it's mentioned all the different questions in the different Hasidic discourses of the Chabad Rebbeim on, on on this week's Torah portion. And Rebbe explains and he says as follows. This that the Torah says, these are the laws. So we know there's specific laws and there's general laws. So when it says, these are the laws, it's referring to a, a general laws and specifically it's referring to the whole idea of learning Torah. The obligation that we all have to learn Torah. And that's why it says, knows if it's, Learning Torah, so why is it Asher Tassim singular you're going to put in front of them? Because who's going to put in front of them? It's referring to Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu is the one that teaches us Torah. Because Moshe Rabbeinu, that's who he was. Moshe was the one that went up to Mount Sinai, received the Torah, and he teaches Torah to B'nai Yisrael. So Asher Tassim is referring to Moshe Rabbeinu, Lefneim to all of us, that Moshe Rabbeinu teaches all of us Torah. <clears throat> because through Moshe Rabbeinu, we have a connection to Torah. Like we know it says in, 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 in the prophets, Zichru Torah's Moshe Avdi. Remember the Torah of Moshe, my servants. Even though it's Torah's Hashem, but our connection, our relationship, our understanding is through Moshe, our teacher. And as we know, when a child, when he comes in to learn in, in, in Yeshiva or in Cheder, so what are the first thing you start learning? Torah Tzivalonu Moshe. That's Torah's Hashem, but Moshe Rabbeinu is the one that instructed us um, all about the idea of learning Torah. So that's one important component. So the Torah is telling us that Moshe Rabbeinu is teaching us Torah. And not only that, the Rebbe says, not only is he teaching us, but there's also a lesson here how you should learn Torah. 
In other words, Torah is not just a, a, a data. You have to know the data. But it has to be done in a, in a specific way. Like it says in the Talmud, where, and it explains what it says, Tosim Lifnehem, you should put it in front of them. Because it means that's the way you should learn Torah, which means that a person has to learn, and you have to learn over and over again until you comprehend it, and you get it, what the Torah is really trying to tell you. But no, it's learning it once, that's very superficial. That's like going driving through a city and saying, you know the city. You have to learn it, you have to go through every street, you have to comprehend it. So Torah is all about getting getting into it much deeper. And like the author writes in the laws of, of, of uh, Talmud Torah about learning Torah, he writes as follows. That when someone is teaching Torah, you have to put it, you have to present it in a way that it's comprehensible, and the Alterbus is a fascinating term, you have to put it on their heart. Because normally you learn with your head. But the Alterbus says besides that you have to understand it, which is your intellect, it's something which has to reach the emotions. In other words, and that's why the Alterbus says, that it should be done, you have to put it onto the, onto the heart, because what is it, what, what, where is he getting it from? Because it says lefneim. What does it mean you should put the Torah in front of them? Not just, it means into the, into the internal part of themselves. And when is the Torah really become internalized? Not only when you understand it academically, that's only intellect, but when a person really is inspired by the Torah, when a person really is excited about what he's learning, that's Tosim of Nahum. So if you're a teacher or a parent uh, educating your children or your students, what's important is not only that academically they get it, but it has to be the Fnehem, their internal part, their heart should be on fire. And if they're not excited about it, then you have to keep, go back and keep on learning it and keep on teaching until they get it. Because this is a general idea when it comes to learning Torah, of every single single every every person that learns Torah, because we know that learning Torah, there's two types of mitzvahs. There's a mitzvah that you can hire someone to do the mitzvah. The main thing is the mitzvah happens. But then there's something which is called a mitzvah shabagufoy, a mitzvah that we have to do ourselves. And when it comes to learning Torah, you can't hire someone to learn Torah for you. Torah is a mitzvah shabagufoy. A Torah, me, Torah learning Torah means every single person has to learn Torah academically, intellectually, but also emotionally. You have to feel the Torah, the excitement of Torah, the connection to Hashem through learning Torah. And that's why it says in the, in the Torah, when, in, in the Shema that we say, it says, Vishinantam Levanecha. You should teach it to your, to your, to your, to your children. And the, it's, the Talmud tells, what do you mean, Vishinantam? What does Shinantam mean? That, it, you know, that it should be something which is, it should, it should be, um, learned, understood, comprehended, and it should be something which you should know it on your, on your fingertips, or on the tip of your tongue. In other words, it has to be very, very clear and very, very organized. And that's an obligation on everybody. The Torah shouldn't be just, oh, I read it somewhere. You have to understand it, you have to comprehend it, you have to feel it, you have to, you have to, uh, you have to live it. In other words, so besides the fact that you have to, that your children and your students have to comprehend it, but also the person that's teaching it, in other words, the parent or the, or the teacher um, themselves has to be in a way of shinon, which some, uh, the Torah is something which is your passion, you understand it, you comprehend it, it's, you have clarity. And once you have clarity as the parent and as a teacher, guess what? The child will have the clarity. So if there's lacking clar- clarity in the child and the student, go back and relearn it again. Go back, get excited about it again. And once you learn it and you're excited about it, you'll be able to give it over in a way they will be excited as well.
So based on this, the Rebbe explains that's why it says ve'ela hamishpatim. These are the other are, are the laws. Asher tosim lifneim that you should put in front of them. Which again we just learned it means it should be internalized within us and within our students. And this comes when right after we receive the Torah last week in Parshas Yisroi. Why? Because in this lesson of Eila Meshpatim Asher Tosim of Neyem is a general principle and a general rule that learning Torah applies to every single person. It applies to the person that's learning it, the person that's teaching it, and the person that's comprehending it, and every single person, it applies to everybody. And like, <clears throat> and Rishonat Levanach is referring to your, your, your biological children and your students. And learning Torah is not just academic, but learning Torah is also the way we have a relationship with Hashem. Our relationship with Hashem is by learning Torah. So it's not just knowing the academics. It's about knowing it and, and creating that relationship with Hashem. And that's why the Elam Mishpat Mashtasman is connected to giving the Torah because here we're learning, we got the Torah, but now we have to keep the Torah. And the way we keep it is by learning it, comprehending it, understanding it, and teaching it. And again, not only academically, but also emotionally as well. And then he continues on to explain in more in detail the way our spiritual service of Hashem works, and he, and we start, you know, from this from the from the from this lowest level, and we keep on going on to the uh, to a higher and even a higher level. And as as Zerba quotes in the Torah where it says Ma'at Ma'at Garshana, you have to slowly get rid of the negativity. So the same thing also with the, with the people in the land of Israel. The same thing also we have to sort of get rid of all our distractions that we can be focused and have a deep and meaningful relationship with Hashem. How do we do that? So Rebbe explains the beginning of the Avoida is like the Torah says. And now just to recap, in last week's Torah portion, Hashem gave us a Torah. This week's Torah portion is a general idea of what? That we have to learn Torah, comprehend Torah, feel the Torah for ourselves and for our students and our, and our, and our, and our, and our children. So over here, the Alter is going to explain, the Rebbe is going to explain based on the Chesed and Alter Rebbe, how we go about creating that reality. And he starts as follows. The first thing the Torah tells us, when you hire a slave, a Jewish slave. Now, so technically, the simple shots referring to the laws of hiring a slave. We're talking now about on a spiritual level. How do we get closer to Hashem to learning Torah without the distractions? So he says there's two different levels in our service of Hashem. One is a Evid Knani, a non-Jewish slave, and the other one is a Jewish slave. And like it's like like we understand from the Mechilta, which is a Medrash, and actually Rashi brings it in the in the Torah portion. So obviously if Rashi brings it, it's obviously supposed to be understood in on a simple level. In other words, that when it says Kisikna Everdivri, when you hire a Jewish slave slave, so Rashi says, What are we talking about? Are we talking about a literally a Jewish slave, someone that's Jewish, you're acquiring a Jewish slave, or is it referring to a non-Jewish slave that you're hiring from another Jewish person? And the the, the and Rashi says, even though it could be, you know, could mean, mean either one or the other, either a Jewish slave or a non-Jewish slave that you're hiring that you that belongs to an, a Jew. But the but what the resolution is, it's referring to what? It's referring to a Jewish slave. But nevertheless. Even though 
the end result is referring to a Jewish slave. But since there is an option in the, in the, in the thinking process that we're referring to a non-Jewish slave that worked for, work, work for, uh, for a Jew, and we need to have a teaching that tells us, no, we're referring to a Jewish slave. So, but obviously there is such an initial thought. But so since there's an initial thought, there must be some kind of lesson we learn from an Evid Kanani as well. So therefore, the first step in our spiritual service of Hashem, we're going to learn from the idea of an Evid Knani, which means a non-Jewish slave, and we'll learn what it means practically in a spiritual level, which is belongs to a Jew. And then from there, we go to the level of what what's the lesson we learn from a Jewish slave, and then we go to the level, uh, the next level higher, which is a female Jewish slave, and th- and then we and then there's high levels as well. And there I was going to explain all the levels as we go along in this specific discourse. Never explains as follows. And Rebbe says like this: It's brought down in many places in Chassidus at length, and especially Rebbe points out to a classic Chassidic discourse of the Tzemach Tzedek, the grandson of the Alter Rebbe, in his classical books of Chassidic teachings on the parasha, called Eira Torah, and he writes over that this Chassidic discourse is from a Chassidic discourse of his grandfather, the Alter Rebbe. And he calls this Chassidic discourse, I'll say it in Hebrew, I'll translate, because it's a very powerful t- term he uses, it's a drush nichbad neyoid. It's a very, very aristocratic teaching. And he explains over there that it's referring to the levels of a tzaddik, a righteous person, a Russia, a wicked person, and a Baini, an intermediate person, the way it's explained in Tanya. Because we know the Alter Tanya gives very, very specific description of what a Tzaddik is, what a Russia is, what a Baini is. What does that mean? That there's three levels in our soul. What, is that? what are the three levels in our soul? The three levels in our soul are an Evid Kanani, a non-Jewish slave, an Evid Ivri, a Jewish slave, and Amahivriya, a female Jewish slave. What does that mean on a spiritual level? On a spiritual level, it's referring to the three levels of our neshama. Nefesh, Ruach, and Neshama. And he explains in that Hasidic discourse that Nefesh, Ruach, and Neshama is referring to Tzadik, Rasha, and Benini. And this is the, this is the, the way we serve God on a spiritual level. In other words, we start off on the level of Evet Kanani, which means a non-Jewish slave, which means obviously not not as as connected. And then we go to the level of a Jewish slave. We're more connected. And then we go to the level of what? A, a female Jewish slave. And Rebbe brings from Zoyar, um, a, a classical works in the Zoyar called Zoyar Saba on, 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 on Mishpatim. And he says like this, that when a person is born, they the person is given... The level, again, just to clarify, there's five levels to the soul. Nefesh, the, nefesh is the lowest. Ruach, Neshama, Chai, Yechida. And we say higher and lower, we mean more godly energy and less godly energy. So when a person is born, you're given right away the level of Nefesh. Without Nefesh, you can't survive. So when you're given in a revealed way, which fully developed, there's a level of Nefesh. Afterwards, when you're meritorious, then you're able to go into the level, the next level up, which is the level of Ruach. And if you're even meritorious, I'm quoting so far from the Zohar, which already brings, you, you're able to connect to your level of neshama. In other words, when a person is born, you have right away the connection to nefesh. And because of this, our, the way we work with our nefesh, 
we, we have the level of nefesh. Afterwards, when we do our spiritual work, we go to the higher level of, of Ruach. And afterwards, you go to the higher level of, of Neshama. And like Yerba says, it's explained all these different levels at length. And actually, a classical works of mysticism called Kundras Avoida, the way he explains the whole idea of serving Hashem, serving Hashem in the level of Nefesh, Ruach, Neshama. One is a functional, one is more with the emotions, one is more intellect. And again, it's another whole discussion for another Hasidic discourse. But he mentions it over here, he mentions it over here in short. So he explains as follows. So what do we have so far? So he brings that the three levels of Evet Knani, Evet Ivri, and Amma Ivriya are connected to Tzaddik, Rasha, and Benini, and they're also connected to the way we serve Hashem with our Neshama, Nefesh, Ruach, and Neshama. Now, but now the connection is which one is connected to what? So he explains as follows. The level of Evet Knani, which is the lowest level, so to speak, so there's a whole discussion in all the footnotes and the commentaries and in the, uh, of the, of the, of the, of the, the, the discourse of the, of the Tzamech Tzedek and Eurah Torah, when we say Evit Kanani, what, what level is that? Is that a level of Rosh of like it's explained in Tanya, a wicked person and, and life is great, or is it referring to a, the Benini, like it's explained in Tanya? And he comes to a resolution, he says they're both correct. Classical answer in Chassidus, they're both correct, depending what, what level. But the point for our our conversation is that Evet Kanani, we have to know what Evet Kanani is. So Evet Kanani is when we serve Hashem on the level of a Rosh of a Toivloi, or on the level of a Benini. So in other words, so practically speaking, what does it mean, Evet Kanani? Evet Kanani means it refers to the level of Rosh, Rosh of a Toivloi, and also the Benini. So the Rebbe asks a simple question, whoa, what are we saying here? We're talking about Evet Kanani. What does that mean, Evet Kanani? Bottom line is that he's an Evet, he's a servant. Again, we're talking on a spiritual level. What does that mean, a, 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 someone's an Evet, someone's a servant? That means very, very simple. What is the nature of a servant? What is the nature of an Evet? So the classical line is, A servant wants to be free. A servant doesn't want to have any responsibilities, they don't want to have any commitments, they don't want to have a schedule, they don't want to be tied down to anything. So in other words, a evid is somebody does not want to have any commitment, any dedication, any responsibility. Practically speaking, what's an evid on a spiritual level? They don't want to do Torah mitzvahs. I don't want to learn, I don't want to pray, I don't want to do mitzvot, not the positive or negative. If I do it, I'm going to do it when I want, how I want. But I don't want to be tied down to a commitment. I have to learn every day. I have to do this mitzvah. I can't do that mitzvah. A servant, an evid means, I just want to be free. I don't want to have any responsibility. I don't want to have any commitment. In other words, what gives him pleasure? What's the will of an evid? What's the spiritual makeup of an evid, a servant? Hefkeira, he wants to be free. He wants to have zero responsibilities. And so what does he want to do? Whatever his heart desires. When, what his heart desires, when his heart desires. So what is a servant? A servant is someone that doesn't want any responsibility and they want to do whatever the heart desires when they, when, 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 whatever they want, when they want. So if that's the case, what does it mean? What is, what, why is he doing what Hashem wants? And the answer is that this that he serves Hashem is because he's forced, unfortunately. He's afraid. 
He's afraid of punishment. He's afraid of what's going to happen. You know, uh, why is a servant a service master? He really doesn't want to work. He's working because he's afraid he's going to be punished. So on a spiritual level, why does somebody serve Hashem, someone that wants, doesn't want to have any commitment responsibility? Because you're afraid. What's going to be after 120? What's going to be Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, etc.? And like explained at length, this concept in the Hasidic discourses. Now, so again, let's back to the point. So we're saying, we're talking about Evakanani, which basically, Evakanani means he doesn't want to have any responsibility. He wants to do whatever he wants. The only reason why he's serving Hashem is because he has to. So what are we saying? And Evakanani, we said, is Russia of a type would make sense. But we're saying it's also the level of Baini. How could it be a Bainani? How could you say, so, how could you say someone that's an Evid, an Evakanani, which means he doesn't want any responsibility, he's a Bainani? And he's going to fulfill the, the oath that he says you should be a Bainani? Why? Because what's the definition of a Bainani? We all know, what does the Altarbe explain in Tanya? A Bainani is someone that never, ever transgressed in his life. And never will transgress. Someone that never transgressed and never will transgress. Past and future. And we know that based on the Altarbe's definition of a Bainani, many holy, great Hasidim said, Wow! I wish I was a Bainani. Never to transgress and never to transgress in the future? And here we're saying that uh, Evid Knani is, is considered a Bainani? So Rebbe explains, yes, absolutely. And this is a phenomenal uh, revolutionary idea of, 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 the, of, of the Rebbe. And he says like this. That we know a Bainani, even though we said it's someone that never sinned and never will sin. But the Rebbe says a Bainani is in the ability of every single person. Any person... And every person could be a Bainani, including the Evakanani, including somebody that what does the person really want? They want to be free, they don't want to have commitments, they want to do whatever they want when they want. That person could be a Bainani as well. The potential. Everyone could be a Bainani. And never proves it. Because if you look at the book of the altar in Tanya, in his Sharblot, which means on the, on the, the cover page of Tanya, which is called the, the, of Sefer Shalbain, the book of the, of Intermediate, which that's the essence of the book of Tanya. So the Altima writes, and like Jeremiah says, it's known that the Sharblot, the, the cover page of the Tanya, the Altima wrote himself, and he says like this, that Karoiv Eilecha Hadover Meoid, it's very close to you, Beficha, in your mouth, which means in your thought, speech, and action. Anybody and everybody is very easy to be a Bainani. And the author writes in Tanya, in reference to the Bainani, that it's Midas Kolodom, which means any person, and every person could be a Bainani. Even though... And the river goes, plays on the words. Midas kolom, which means it's the midah, the measurement of every person. Even though midah comes from measurement, but also comes from limitation. Even though from the limiting and the uh, finite, um, which that's midah. Midah means when there's any type of limitation. You have a measurement, right? It's limited to the measurementation. <clears throat> but that finite limitation is a bainani, and it can fit any any person. Bainani can fit any, any person. Anyone can be a Bainani. Why? How can anyone be a Bainani? Because any person and every person of the Jewish people are going, what are we called? We're called Adam. 
Why are we called Adam? So it says in the, in the Talmud. So the Shalah Kadesh says, what's Adam mean? The Shalah says, because Adam means, besides the fact that it means humans, which we are, it comes from the word of Adam, Le'elyon. We're compared to the one on high. So every single person, in his essence, who are we? In, 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 in our essence, what are we? We are an Adam, which means we are compared to on high. We're compared to Hashem. We're connected to Hashem. Not only that, take it a step further, like the, the, like the Rebbe brings from Tanya from the Alter Rebbe, that when he, what does he describe the says, Any person could be drawn to be a Benini. And the Rebbe says, when he says Yumshach could be drawn to be a Benini, so he says, just like when it says in the Torah of Yahafta, you should love Hashem. So the author says, what do you mean you should love Hashem? So when Hashem is saying via hafta, it's a command, love Hashem, but it's also a promise that you will love Hashem. So when the Torah, when it says via hafta, it's saying two things. You should love Hashem, but it's also a promise that eventually you will love Hashem. So the same thing also the Rebbe says, to be a benini, yumshach. Everybody is commanded, so to speak, to be a benini, and everybody will be a benini. So one second, what do you mean? But it's it's weird. On one hand, you're saying he wants to do what he wants. On one hand, you're saying he could, everyone could be a Bainani, and the Rebbe splits and he says as follows. There's two parts to the human being. There's the internal part of the human being, and there's the external part of the human being. And the Rebbe says like this. This, that a, 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 a Evid Kanani, we're saying a person's an Evid Kanani, he wants to be free, he wants to do whatever he wants, he'll do it when he wants, how he wants, he wants no responsibility. That's the external part of the person. But the internal part of the person, which is Midas Kaladam, which is the measurement of every person, and every person um, is commanded and will be drawn is the fact that we all have a chilek and a kamimal mamash. Every one of us within our, in ourselves, our essential part, we're part of, we're part of the infinite Hashem. So there's two parts to every human being. There's the essential part, we're chilek al kamimal mamash. We're part, we're connected with God. And from that perspective, every one of us are a bainani, and everybody must, will, is a bainani, will be a bainani, we'll serve Hashem with our heart, with our with our mouth, with our, with, with, with our action, we're totally connected to Hashem like a Bainani. Bechitsoyini is externally, we have desires that we want to do, but it's not really who we are. And like the Rambam, and like the Rebbe brings in the Rambam, the Rambam brings down, in coin to Jewish law, a famous, famous ruling that when you force somebody and a, to do a mitzvah and a person that want to do it, that's his real will. Even though he really wants, you know, it's not he really, even though, not really, even though he wants to do something else, because the wanting to do something else, that's not him, that's his external self. In other words, this that a person wants to do what they want to do, and doesn't want commitment, that's not the person, that's the external self, that's the Yetzirah that's taking, or taking control of the person. But the person really wants to do what Hashem wants. And because the person really wants to do what Hashem wants, and that's the internal part, the internal part of the person, the panemius, and the panemius is something which we're commanded to do and we're promised it's going to happen. So therefore we will eventually, every one of us serve Hashem, with our mouth, with our heart, and in action. Or in other terms, with our thought, speech, and action. And every one of us will fulfill the oath 
<coughs> that, that's given to us, which, which what's the oath? Don't be a Russia. Don't be wicked. We're going to be a Benini, just like it says in Tanya. And everyone is drawn after it. Why? Because our Neshama, our soul, is drawn for us to be a Benini. And any situation you're in, any situation you're in, people fall off. They veer off. Who's veering off? The external part. So because what, what veered off is only external part, the pneumius of the person, the essence of the person never, never sinned. The essence of the person never sinned. So therefore, since the essence of the person never sinned, so even when a person got rid of sinning, on any level, on possibly the worst level one can think of, the person will come out of it. Why? Because the, the eternal part of the person never sinned. It literally, Jeremy says in Yiddish, that pulls him out. The internal part of the person pulls him out from any situation you're in. Because it's sure that if a person has to do tshuva, he will eventually do tshuva. Eventually, a person will repent. And like the promise that Torah tells us, Ki lo yidach mimenu nidach. Nobody will be totally pulled, pulled away. And on the contrary, on the contrary, not only won't we pull away, when a person does tshuva, when a person repents, he'll actually reach a much higher level. Like we know the famous saying that says, in a place where there's a baltshuva, can reach someone that returns to Hashem, even the greatest tzaddik can't reach. So the power of tshuva is that the person that veered off, his premius comes out, and he actually rises to a place higher than before. Up to the point that because of his internal self, He's really always close to Hashem. And he's always close to Hashem that he should be able to serve God with his mouth, with his heart, and with his action. It's just like a bainini on every level. So based on this, Rebbe explains, in this case, even though a servant wants to do whatever they want to do, but the truth is his internal level is a bainini. Why? Because eventually the person is going to say, right, Sani, I want to be connected to Hashem. Why? He's veered off because his premius never left. His internal self never left. Because nobody is ever totally pushed away totally. What's pushed away, what's veered away is external. Internal never left. And because internal never left, every person will stay connected, will remain connected. Every person is a bainani, will be a bainani. And not only that, the place where, like the Rebbe says, the place where Balchuva reaches, even a tzaddik can't reach because they will reach even much greater and much powerful places. Now, <clears throat> the Rebbe now goes a step further. And he says like this. What did we just learn? Torah says, Kisik Nevedivri. But what would we say? What was the, what was the, the, the thought when it says, when you hire a, a, a Jewish slave, that even though it was an initial thought of the Torah, that maybe we're referring to not a Jewish slave, but it's actually the, uh, the slave itself is non-Jewish, but he's, but he's, you're buying it from a, from another Jewish person. In other words, that we're talking about somebody that's on a level of Evakrani. That you just want to do whatever you want to do. And that's a, th- a thought to determine how you would, how you would understand it. Where does it come from? Where does it come from that somebody externally wouldn't be learning and praying and do mitzvahs? Like, why would you say, when you're going you're dealing with that, why would you turn, mention that option? Since we all have an ashama and we're all connected to Hashem, so how is it even an option that a person's a sin? And the is very simple. 
unfortunately, because of the Neshama, which is part of Hashem, and you're right, from the Neshama, we should want to be connected to Hashem. But the Neshama came down Lamato. The Neshama came down to this world. And others who went down from a place, me, 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 Igorama. What does it mean, Igorama? Spiritually, the light was on. The only thing that existed was godliness. And we came down literally to this abyss where godliness is not revealed. So the reason why the Neshama veers off, not because God for the person's bad. The lights are off. The, the Neshama doesn't see Hashem. Now, even in that case, where unfortunately the lights are off, and a person meddles in the darkness, and not necessarily connect to Hashem, and we said it's only B'chitonius, even in a case when a person veers off, it, we're not talking about, God forbid, it should be someone should have that void of it, literally in Evi but what are we talking about? The person's a, 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 a slave, unfortunately, to materialism, etc., but who does he belong to? The slave belongs to a Jew. Another, what does that mean he belongs to a Jew spiritually? That he has some influence and some connection to his master who's Jewish. Because whoever it may be, someone that veered off to the lowest levels, totally disconnected, guard, uh, uh, not totally, but what we, what we, we, might call, we might call someone's totally disconnected. But nevertheless, and as low as somebody goes, which we call Evik Nani, a non-Jewish slave, which means he's totally disconnected. Because again, like you explained, because their soul came down to this world. But nevertheless, since every single person is a child of Avram Avinu, and we know Echad Avram, there was one Abraham, and he was called Avram Ivri. So every single person comes from Avram Avinu. Every person, as far off as you go, you're still connected to Avram Avinu. You still have some kind of connection. You're, you're, you might be an Evid Kanani. You have no interest in God and godliness and learning and praying in the mitzvahs, but you're, you're, you're belong to an Evid, you belong to an Ivri. You belong to Avram Avinu. So we, every single person, what does it mean practically? Every single person has an, as an inheritance from Avram Avinu, the love and the awe for Hashem, albeit Concealed, but every person has a love for Hashem. And like Dr. explains at Lent and Tanya, there's no such thing as a Jew doesn't have internal love for Hashem. Everyone has internal love for Hashem. And this love and awe for Hashem affects an every single person, even though it appears, which is only externally, that you want to have other things. You have other interests, etc. And other interests, which is the opposite of the will of Hashem. But nevertheless, you, the, 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 the fact that you're connected to Avram Avinu, the fact that you, we have, we have with us our internal love for Hashem, you, so the person really wants to what Hashem wants. So therefore it's impossible to be totally an Evid Kanani totally. You can be an Evid Kanani that, that's, that you, that belongs to an Evid Ivory. In other words, in a revealed way, yeah, Evid Kanani is doing what he wants, she wants, etc. But the fact is, in every single person, you have that love for Hashem, which we have as an inheritance from Avram Avinu. Now, so if you're asking, if every person ultimately is connected, and we came down to this world, and that creates all the chaos and all the drama and disconnections, what, what, why? Why did Hashem put us down here? And the answer Deborah explains is, the intent of going down into a place where God is concealed 
And as the Torah says, is it an optional thing? You're you're a servant of a Jew, which means really a person got lost. The pro, the purpose is so that there should be Talmud Loimer to teach us that we should learn Torah in a way that we should come to the realization we only want to do what the, what the will of Hashem is. And a person will realize and reveal within himself the true sense of self. The whole reason why we come down here is, yeah, the lights are off. We don't see God in godliness. But through the darkness, we're going to come to the realization, who are we? What is my essence? Even in this darkness, I am really an evidivri. I'm connected to Hashem. And the truth is, really, I am a Jewish person. It means we really am doing what Hashem wants. Not that, God forbid, my essence is, I'm disconnected. <clears throat> and I and I have to do what Hashem wants. Oh no, my essence is Hashem. Unfortunately, I got lost and I have to come back. In other words, my real place is Avrahanar, together with Avramavinu. And like the Rebbe brings, as it says in the Medrash, the reason why Avram was called Avram Ivri, why 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 is Avram being called Avram Ivri? Because the whole world was on one side and he was on the other side. And the same thing also, we have to affect with our spiritual service, that we have to become an Evid Ivri, which means that we have to stand literally, just like Avram Avinu was literally the only one that was connected to Hashem, and the whole world was on the other side, we have to be willing to stand against the whole world. What is the world referring to? So we know world is in Hebrew, it's called Oilam, world. World also comes from the word of Helen, concealment. So we have to stand against the concealment of godliness. And starting not from the external concealment of godliness, but concealment from within, from our animal soul. And we have to transform our animal soul. And we have to go from one level to the next level. Starting with the level of an Evid Knani, a non-Jewish slave, which means that we, which means practically not God forbid, not non-Jewish, but we, the fact that we just want to do what we want. But nevertheless, we connect to our, the fact that we're connected to our, to Hashem, to Hashem, till we go to the next level, which is an Evid Ivri, where we're serving Hashem as an Evid Ivri, till we go to the next level of a female, a Jewish servant, until we reach the level of Levnaya, that we become a son of Hashem, and like it's explained in that beautiful Hasidic discourse, um, of the Tzamech Tzedek, which is connected to the Alter Rebbe, all the different levels on a spiritual level of the Evid Knani, Evid Ivri, Amavriya, Levnaya, then, etc., etc. But the goal is that we reconnect to the infinite part of Hashem, but we have to remember that that's really who our essence is. And Rebbe explains, this spiritual work of disconnecting from the concealment of the world, and reconnecting to the revelation of God, that is our spiritual work every single day. Just like we have physical work to do, we have spiritual work. And Rebbe explains as follows. <clears throat> what does it mean practically, an Evid Kanani, a non-Jewish, a non-Jewish slave? That means very simple. When we get involved, and we're not talking to someone else, talking to ourselves. When we get involved in the world, why are we involved in the world, in the concealment of the world? To elevate the world, to transform the world. Like the Torah says clearly, we should do our work. This physical work, but it's referring to spiritual work. That we have to work with this materialistic world. The physical world. To do what? To transform it to a holy place. 
So what happens when you get involved in the physical world? You're not sitting in a Cancun, just like in a bubble with yourself. You get involved in the world. You're dealing with the world, with people, with the world, etc. So what happens is when you get involved in the world, and the altar, it brings from the altar of he says, it's possible, our goal, why are we involved in the world? The reason we're involved in the world is to transform the world. That the world should realize, people should realize, that no, it's all about Hashem. It's not about the physical world, the concealment. But what happens when you get involved in the world, it's possible to affect the person that's trying to transform the world. <clears throat> Some of the concealment of the world can rub off on the person. Like the altar explains in Tanya. So what happens is you get innocently involved in the world to make the world a godly place. You want to make the world a holy place. And you get a little, uh, you know, dirty from the world. You get a little tainted from the world. You forget the purity that's all about God and godliness. So we, we come to the level of an Evakanani. Our intent was great. But literally every one of us can come to our Evakanani. Why? By, real, by mistaking God from it, the world is real. So it's a downgrade. So why am I getting involved in the world? And the answer of it says, like I explained before, we go down, you read the Tzorich Aliyah, the reason why we get involved in the world, and even though, we, yes, we do get, rub, part of the world rubs off on us, and so that we can have a greater elevation. So in other words, the Eurida, the rubbing off of the negativity of the world on us is only momentarily. But what happens right afterwards? We have a greater elevation. And not only that, we, we, um, Elevation is not to the same place. It's even higher than before. Like the author writes in Tanya. Like when someone, let's say, you, let's say you're trying to pray and you're trying to focus and it's working out. You're focusing, etc. All of a sudden, somebody starts disturbing you intentionally or unintentionally. So what are you supposed to do? You're not supposed to stop praying. What you're supposed to do is refocus and go deeper into your soul with more, with more kavana, with more intention, go deeper into your heart. So what happens is you get, get a, you get, you create a deeper and a greater connection with Hashem. So if nobody was disturbing you while you were praying, you would have prayed the way you were praying before. What happens when someone disturbs you? Yeah, it's a disturbance, a hundred percent. But the reason for the disturbance is not God for you should fall into disturbance. Say, ah, that's what I'm not praying. No, no, no. I have to bring out greater powers. So the disturbance co- caused you to go even deeper. So how do you do that practically? And there was a practical meditation. He says like this. When a person thinks about, he says like this, the person that's disturbing me, the thing that's disturbing me, who created it? Hashem created it. Everything in this world comes from Hashem. So the disturbance ultimately is coming from Hashem. Now, why did Hashem disturb me? And why did it happen? Literally, right where I decided I wanted to pray, I wanted to study, I wanted peace of mind. Why did Hashem bring the disturbance right here? And literally, I can't pray now that I wanted to pray before. So not, God forbid, to think that the disturbance is not part of Hashem. That's partially idolatry. The disturbance is from Hashem. So why is Hashem doing it? Hashem is doing it. So that when you'll go ahead and you'll put in more intention, more kavana, you're going to transform the disturbance. And like the author writes it down, you're going to make matamim, lashon rabin, there's two types of tastes. There's a taste when life is good, it's clear. And then when you transform a negative, it's a whole different level. In other words, the first level is a skafia. Don't allow something to disturb you, which is the general spiritual work of the Bainani, practicing restraint. But the ultimate goal is ishabcha. You take something which is negative and you bring it to something positive, which that's the avoid of tzadikim. The avoid of tzadik is not just to not get distracted. The avoid is to transform the distraction.
like explained at length in Tanya. So the same thing also, the reason for the Arido, the reason for the downgrade is so that we could practice not only Eskafia, but Eskafia and, and create a transformative mo moment. And it's literally from this downgrade, which it is a downgrade, we have to bring out more power and more energy to serve Hashem on the level of Evitani, 100%, to elevate it. And then we go to the level of Evitivri, and then we go to the Amar Avriya, up into the le a level of, 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 of from a, a, a non-Jewish slave, which means a totally distraction, a Jewish slave, a, a, a female Jewish slave, to be a, a, a son of the master, up to the point we go out free. <clears throat> which that's basically all the spiritual levels of the avoid of Eskafia and Eskafka, which allow us to reach uh, very, very high levels. And when a person does the avoidah, like it says in the Torah, sheish shanim yavayid, how many, how many years does a slave work? It's for six years. In other words, the six years that we're working is referring to the general spiritual work that we have to do. Transforming the physical world. What do we get to? We get to the seventh year. <clears throat> in the seventh year, it says we go out free. Totally we go out free. In other words, what is that referring to? So the sixth year is referring to the 6,000 years of exile. The seventh millennium is referring when Mashiach comes, which that's going to be the greatest revelation when Mashiach's going to come. It's going to be the day of Yom Shakula, Shabbos, It's be the whole, every day is going to be Shabbos. It's going to be total peace and it's totally going to be relaxation. What does that mean practically? It means God's going to be revealed in this world. There's not going to be any more dark spaces, not going to be any lack of clarity, any confusion. It's going to be totally clarity. You're going to see the oneness of Hashem, where God is going to have a dira lo yizbarak v'daftoinim. Literally in this world, God is going to be revealed. In the in this world, material God is going to be revealed. However, even though it's going to happen when Mashiach comes, but some kind of glimmer of that, some kind of taste of that, we already have now. And especially in the time of, uh, we have now went on Shabbos, specifically on Shabbos we have it, and especially when on Shabbos in time of Riven the Riven, which basically is um, Shabbos afternoon around Mincha time, that's when you have a little taste of that. After we had intense Shabbos, on a beautiful Shabbos, Riven the Riven, the last couple of hours of Shabbos, is obviously we have a taste of what it's going to be like when Mashiach comes. And Rebbe says he'd like to connect this with the idea of the Mishkan, a tabernacle, which is, which is explained at length in Parshas Truma, the next Torah portion, um, <clears throat> which, which, which is usually read on Shabbos Parshas Mishpatim this week on, on Mincha, because that's already connected next week. And what's the, what's the connection with, uh, with the Mishkan? So we know the whole idea of the Mishkan, the tabernacle is, what's the purpose of the tabernacle? It says in the Torah, God says, you should make the Mishkan v'shachanti b'soychem. The whole purpose is that Hashem should dwell into, in, 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 in into this world. And it says b'soychem. Now, the tabernacle, Rabbi says, you had the tabernacle, and you had all the different uh, vessels of the tabernacle. So, we, and, but the whole purpose was for God to dwell, dwell in the tabernacle. Where was the main dwelling of Hashem in the tabernacle? It was specifically through the ark, through the Torah. Why? How do we know that? Because if you look when God commanded to make the different parts of the tabernacle, so the first thing he commanded to make was the ark. Before all the uh, vessels of the Mishkan. Why? Because why did he tell to make it first? Because that's the internal, and that's the ultimate, of the, that's the whole goal of the Mishkan, which, that God should be revealed through the Ark, and Rebbe says it's explained at length in a commentary in the Torah called the Ramban. 
And uh, <clears throat> what's the connection specifically to Torah? Why specifically it's through Torah that you make God the, uh, in this world? So he says that's similar to what we learned before from the Medrash that says that the These are the laws that you should put in front of them. What is he? What's the first law? A Jewish slave. Why? Because in the Jewish slave is the it, it, it embodies the whole idea of evadivri. What does that mean? That our purpose. Why was I created to be a slave? Yes, every one of us who are created, the purpose is to serve Hashem. So that's why it starts off, these are the laws. What are the laws? Evidivri. What does it mean, Evidivri? Because we are in Evidivri. We are here to serve Hashem. And like, and like, and like the, like the record of the Medrash before that says, I acquired you, I took you out of Egypt. So that you can come and serve me. You can be the servant of Hashem. <clears throat> and that's the first avoided watch why it starts over the Nevedivri. Because we, which, the idea is to bring godliness in the world, in the world. So how do we do that? How do we bring God to be real in the world? And the answer is very simple through the ark. Because the ark represents the Torah. And through us being a servant of Hashem, by following and learning the Torah, and observing the Torah, we fulfill God's dream of making a dira loyus bark at the time, which is the whole purpose of the Mishkan, that God should be revealed in this world. And, <clears throat> and since it starts of a shachanti besoicham, Hashem is going to dwell in this world, and it says plural, what do you mean? There's one Mishkan. So why does it say plural? Because Hashem dwells within every single one of us. Every single one of us, Hashem dwells within every one of us. And once Hashem dwells within each and every one of us, from there, Hashem dwells into the Mishkan and the tabernacle on the base of Mikdash, and obviously in the whole world, which is going to be, as we mentioned before, the completion of Hashem being revealed when Mashiach comes in the seventh millennium. Now, so how do we make it happen? Since the whole purpose is that God should be revealed into this world, and the ultimate is going to be when Mashiach comes, how do we make it happen? So the way we make, the, our spiritual work to make it happen is by the ark, making the ark first. What does the ark resemble? Resembles Torah. Because when a person learns Torah, we draw down godliness into the world. What's the connection with Torah and drawing down godliness into the world? Because it says in the prophets, Kiner Mitzvah Torah, that the mitzvah is compared to the candle and learning Torah to light. Why? Because Torah has the power. And we all know when you learn Torah, Torah has the power to give off spiritual light and physical light. And it shows a person clarity. How to live a life, how we should live a life of Hashem. We know what to do, we know what not to do. And we bring in godliness into the physical world, into this gold, into silver, into copper. It has meaning, it has purpose. And which is the whole, these are the items that the Mishkan was made of. And from the Mishkan that we learned in the Torah how to make the Mishkan with, with silver, gold, and copper, once you create, what's the purpose of the Mishkan? The purpose, just like Torah is to bring light into the world, the Mishkan is also to bring light into the whole world. Up to the point that the whole world is filled with the light of the Torah and the light of the Mishkan. And like it says in the, in the prophets that eventually Yerushalayim, Jerusalem, is going to be spread all over the land of Israel. And Israel is going to be spread all over the whole world when Mashiach comes. The light of Hashem, the light of Yerushalayim is going to be all over the world. Now, we want the redemption, but the redemption is dependent on, like Dr. writes in Tanya, our actions and our work in the 6,000 years of Golos. And especially in our, in our, in our, when we do our work in Golos, when we're, we're, when we're in exile. 
and specifically when we are in the the in Ikvas Mashiach, the end of exile, when we when the heel when we're almost when Mashiach is coming, and we know everything goes by the end. It's all about the end. Now we're at the end. Now it's about bringing the light of Torah and the light of mitzvahs into the world. And when we learn Torah, we bring the light of Torah to the world. This creates the 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 reality of the redemption when the 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 third base of Migdash is going to be built in a physical way, in a, re, a revealed way. And we know that when it comes to the third base of Migdash, the, the, the uh, superiority of the third base of Migdash, <coughs> which is basically Migdash uh, Hashem, which Hashem basically made with His own hands, which we know is much higher uh, than the first base of Migdash, much higher than the second base of Migdash, and uh, much higher than the Mishkan. Now, you're going to say, what do you mean? The fact is, who, who, built, who built the Mishkan? Moshe Rabbeinu. And we know whatever Moshe Rabbeinu did is everlasting. And it's brought down in the, in the Talmud. And therefore, the Mishkan really is also also everlasting. But the fact is, and that's true, but the fact is, when we do our spiritual work in Golas, that means when, when the lights are off, and nevertheless we learn Torah and we do mitzvahs, so what happens is we create more energy for the third base of Mikdash, an elevation which is much higher than the Mishkan, even though it's very, very high. Moshe Rabbeinu, very, very powerful, but through our Avoida and Golos, the third base of Mikdash can be much more powerful, <coughs> which is like the, the, which, which, it's like the energy that's created through Tshuva when a person repents, when a person returns to Hashem. And when a person returns to Hashem, that power is very, very powerful and very, very deep. Why is that? Because when a person veers off the path, so as we explained before, his pnimius never left. Bechitsonius he left. But when a person comes back, he elevates the chitsonius. He elevates the darkness. He elevates the concealment. And literally from the concealment and from the darkness, he makes a dwelling place for Hashem. And as we know that the whole idea of Mashiach is, it's all about repentance. And as it says clearly, Mashiach Mashiach is going to come and inspire not only the people that God forbid sin to return, but even Sadiqim should return to Hashem on a higher level. And as the prophet says, and up to the point in us that um, the, the Mashiach is going to come and the whole world, the whole world is going to be filled with knowing Hashem. And when is that going to happen? It's going to happen when we have the true and complete redemption. But when we do our spiritual work, which means, what's our spiritual work? Is Skafia, is Habcha, learning Torah, and specifically in Golas, we actually make the revelation come much quicker, and we make it actually tangible. We make the tan, we make it tangible, we make it come quicker in a, in a revealed, in a real way, and it's gonna come, as Rebbe says, very, very quickly. And very, very quick. And it's gonna happen not on a spiritual level, but it's gonna happen down here in this physical world, and we're all gonna see that the light of Hashem, as the prophet writes, and as the kings and the queens are all going to be serving Hashem and all the people. And so it's going to happen literally in the last days of Golas. And there was, even though we know that we're still servants of Achashverosh on, on some level, but nevertheless, we know what it says in the prophets as, that the, the fear of God and the Jewish people is on the nations of the world. And up to the point where Achashverosh himself, means Gullus itself, the, the concealment itself is begging <clears throat> to take the house of Haman, of, of wickedness, wickedness and transform it to Esther. And that's going to be a preparation for the ultimate promise 
that the prophet says, the Oz, all the nations of the world are going to speak one language, the language of Hashem. What is that going to happen? With the redemption, which is true and complete through Mashiach Tidkenu. So obviously we have a beautiful, beautiful Hasidic discourse in the parsha with a lot of powerful uh, Kabbalistic ideas and a lot of powerful uh, lessons. And again, I don't want to single one thing out, but I just want to mention, I think one of the most powerful lessons ever teaches us here is that every single Jew is connected to God. Irrelevant what you're doing, how you're doing it, where you're holding right now, but every single Jew is connected to God. What's not connected is external stuff. And the external stuff that's not connected, that's that's power to go even higher but a person has to remember there's no such thing as a, a jew is lost every jew is connected and by knowing that we're connected we'll have the power to stay connected and to transform the world and through torah and through mitzvahs we'll be able to make this world a beautiful place and as Rebbe finishes off we'll all um merit to see mashiach to kenu and let's hope that literally our next class will be in your shalayim have a great and blessed week shavua tov